Uh, Hebrews 4, verse chapter 12, uh, Hebrew 4, verse 12. Uh, and I don't know how far I'm going to go. Okay? Hebrews 12, Hebrews 4, chapter 4, verse 12. Be ready. Don't put it up now. All right? Um, <clears throat> All right. We'll start here. You know, I've talked about the, the five themes that are in the chapter 21 and chapter 22 of Matthew. Matthew being the week before Jesus, that part in the Bible is the week before Jesus went to the cross. And of course, we talked about uh, the priestly role is being restored to the believer. The uh, w- Along with that, the restoration of the tabernacle of David, which is where David brought the Ark of the Covenant back, had it in the center of the tabernacle of the tent and surrounded it with praise and worship for 24-7 for 49 years. And then there's, uh, we talked about, it talks about Jesus Christ being the rock, the, the stone the builders rejected has become the headstone of the corner. And in the New Testament, that talks about the building of Christ. And the building of, we are the building of Christ. We are the living stones. You can find that in Ephesians. And you can also find it in First uh, Peter. So it talks about how we're living stones are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. We say, we've been praying, I want to be like you, God. Well, the way we be like God is by being a living stones fitted together with Christ and the apostles being the chief foundation with Christ being the chief cornerstone. And so that's part, that's part, that's part of, uh, that's in there in uh, Matthew 21 and 22. We've gone over that. And then there's, uh, how it says that the right at the end of the thing where uh, he refers to sit here at my right hand, uh, talking about Jesus, sit here at my right hand. That's in the, uh, um, Psalm 110, verse 1. Sit here at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. That's referred to in Hebrews as after Jesus is raised from the dead. He says to sit here at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. And then what we've been going into, and one of my sermons is, was going to be from that, I may not do that. But one of the, the last thing that's on the list there is, uh, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, body, soul, strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. And so that is the purpose of Christ. The purpose of Christ the prothesis to put God forward. Uh, and I told you how Norm's lit up when he, when he found a purpose. It wasn't just that, but he had a purpose. He believes that God hasn't called him home yet. He believes that God has a purpose for his life yet still on earth. And if you remember what that was, one of my favorite verses, if not my favorite, is 2 Timothy 1, 9, which says... Uh, how God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace, which was given to us before the world began. And so you just think about that. God has a purpose for your life 
before the world began. And you know, if you want to get involved in some evangelism, Living Water is doing something at 10 o'clock, starts 10 o'clock in the morning on Main Street, and they're doing some evangelism, uh, personal evangelism to, to people on the streets. And they're spreading out from there. And the f- thing he says, uh, that, that if you remember the four spiritual laws, there is a God, God loves you, and God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for your life. There isn't anything more powerful than a purpose. And if it's the prothesis, the put forward of God. In the Old Testament, the showbread was translated from Greek, from Hebrew to Greek to prothesis. In the New Testament, prothesis sometimes is translated showbread. And uh, not get into what the showbread means, but it's pretty important. Study it. But it says... Uh, there's a in the Eastern Orthodox Church, they had uh, uh, a room off to the side of the sanctuary, and in that room was a table, and in that table were utensils, and those utensils had the communion bread in it and the communion elements in it. And that entire room with the table, with the utensils, with the with the, the communion bread was called. The prothesis. If we did that, we have a setup here that's not up there. <laughs> of all the days. Oh, it's, on, it's behind me? Oh, it's behind me on the altar. If you see the communion, we would call that altar or when it was on the table. I remember when we took it off the table, we had little fingers getting into it when we called the kids up here. So they started putting it on the altar. That's why... And that would be called the prothesis, the purpose. The purpose of Christ is the body of Christ, is the blood, the, the, the redeemed blood. And so there's a purpose. And we're revealing the purposes of God in Matthew 21 and 22. The priesthood, the restoration of the tabernacle of David, uh, the stepping on the, the body of Christ being the building of God and the stepping on of the head of Satan. And it's interesting that in Hebrews, when it refers to that verse, stepping on, it says, it's, it's quoting in Hebrews a verse, Psalm 110, which Jesus quoted from in Matthew 22. And it says this, uh, sit here, at my right hand, and it, if you read the whole ch- beginning of the chapter, it says, after he is raised from the dead, sit here at my right hand, and I will make thy enemies thy footstool. And so the, the implication is strong, I think it's more strongly than implied. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Hey, hold that one up there. Let's put Ephesians uh Chapter 1, verse 15. We're going to go through chapter 2 all the way to verse 10. Okay? Real quick. And we're going to go back to Ephesians, uh, Hebrews 4 in a little bit. So anyway, sit here at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. This is after he was raised from the dead. So I ask you, uh, what does that mean? To me, it means sit here 
that Jesus isn't going to return. When he gets up, he's coming back. Now, he, he may get up for special occasions like the stoning of Stephen. He got up for that. But he's coming back. And he won't be coming back until God has made his enemies his footstool. And his enemy is the devil and demons. And so we are the body of Christ. And we're the ones that are supposed to step on his head. Now, we may have been doing that for some time since we've been the body of Christ. But we haven't fulfilled the purpose of God yet for that. Or if Christ would be coming back. All right? So, verse 15. Okay. And then I'm going to go through this quickly. Rodney was talking about how he preached this up at campus uh, one of the days. And, he, and this is a powerful, powerful sermon. And I'm, but I'm going to go through it quickly. This isn't the sermon. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That, this is the prayer, that he ceased not to do it. So how important is it that we cease not to pray this prayer for each other and for ourselves? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know the hope of his calling. And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, I thought, I, I was going to paraphrase this whole thing, not all, not all of it, but just paraphrase it. He says that you and I might know the power that is to us word, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And he goes and talks about the mighty power. And I'm going to tell you what I think that means. And you, you can disagree with this, but I think that of all the things that God has ever done in his whole existence as God, was not create this great universe, which was amazing. You know, you know like uh, uh, how great thou art, the song, the song says. But the, the greatest thing he ever did was when he raised Christ from the dead. That was the great, and it took the most power that God has ever used at any time. That's why he kept saying the exceeding of the... The greatness of his mighty power. You know, he kept talking about power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And so, why did it take so much for God to raise Christ from the dead? And it goes in the way to understand this is we're going to, I'm going to say it one more time, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And then I'm going to eliminate that part in the middle because this is a run-on sentence that just keeps right on going, Okay. And it goes like this, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And I'm going to skip that middle part, 
that he did all these things. And he said, and it goes into chapter 2, verse 1, and it says, chapter 2, verse 1, I said we're going to go to verse 10. 2, verse 1. Ephesians 2, verse 1. <laughs> uh, he forgot that I was going to go to verse 10 of chapter 2. That's okay. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and you. Right now, you see that hath he quickened? If you have a King James Bible, and this is King James, I understand, but it would be italicized, which means it's not in the actual original thing. They've added that in there to try to give it life. You hath he been given life is what you hath he quickened. You hath he, better still, he who has lifed you, okay? Or you have been lifed, all right? It says, but we're just going to leave that hathy quickened for now. It says, and you. And so this is why it was the most powerful thing that God has ever done is because when he raised Christ from the dead, and you. See, that's what it took. That's what it took to save you. The most, the most powerful thing God has ever done when he was, uh, in ever his existence was when he raised you from the dead. It says, who were dead in trespasses and sins. We're in, in times past, you walked according to the, excuse me, according to this world, according to the prince of the power of the spirit of the air, uh, the spirit that now worketh in children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or behavior in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That's what we were before he raised us from the dead. Or when he, he says, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, he has given us life together with Christ, by grace you are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. You see, there it is. And we're going to skip that middle part about where you were, although that's very important. But we're going to skip that middle part to say this, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and you and hath raised us up together with him, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So you see that we have been raised from the dead. Jesus said when he washed the disciples' feet, it says this in chapter 13, and this is also something that just happened before he was crucified. He washed the disciples' feet, including Judas, because Judas hadn't betrayed him yet. And when he washed the disciples' feet, it says, Jesus, having known that he had come from God, he came from heaven and was made flesh in human flesh, and he was 100% man and 100% God. And he left heaven and he became a man. Jesus, knowing from where he came and that God hath put all things into his hands and that he was going back to heaven, girded himself with a towel, and he washed the disciples' feet. See, you can't serve 
God, you cannot serve other people until you know who you are in Christ. I'm not saying you can't do it. It just doesn't count for anything. Hello? Until you have the purpose of God for his glory. Raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we're stopping with this verse. Just leave it up for a while. For we are his workmanship. Say workmanship. Now say poimen. The word, that's what, that's the Greek word for it. Why is that important? We get our English word poem from it. We are God's poems. We are his creations. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained. Before what? Every time you see that before, which is a lot of times in the Bible, and about half the times it says, before the world was made, before creation was, before you were created, before uh, time began, it says, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So before all this, we were his workmanship created in Christ Jesus before the world began. And it was ratified, it was, it was it brought into existence by his crucifixion. And when he raised us from the get, we were restored to that purpose that Christ God had for us. Everybody follow me so far. Now put up uh, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, uh, fourth, fourth chapter, 12th verse. Now, what I was going to, one of the things I was going to talk about today is if we're about, I, I read all, I was going to read all those things about uh, what God has called, how God has called us to love him with all our hearts, mind, body, soul, and strength. And so I was uh, uh, going over verses of scripture about the word of God. One of the ways that God has called us to love him is with our intellect. It says soul. Soul is comprised of the intellect, the, the will, and the emotions. Will, we talked about emotions one time. We talked about uh, with our will. And now I was going to talk about the intellect. And one of the ways we need to talk, uh, love God with our intellect is by his word. He says uh, in, in, in Psalm 138, verse 2, he says, I will worship towards thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness. For thou, God, hast magnified his word above all his name. God magnified his word above all his name. Now, we are supposed to praise the name of God. What a beautiful name it is. You know, it's a beautiful name. We're worshiped to worship his holy name, to praise his name for his loving kindness. That's how it actually starts, to praise him, his name for his loving kindness. But he says he's magnified his word. If you love, the, you cannot, I'm going to be serious now, you cannot love God according to what Jesus said, which he died 
That was what he died for. That was the, one of the purposes. So we could love God. But you can't love God if you don't love his word. If his word isn't the top priority in your life. And, to, you know, one thing that I left out of there is to love God with your time. So you can't love God with your time. You can't love God with his word. With his, you can't love his word without loving him with your time. Because that is a top priority is to know the word of God. And this is one of those verses that I talk about when we want to know and love the word of God. And he says this, the word of God is quick. It means it's alive. It's a living organism. You know, <laughs> the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now we've been saying, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. I want to be like you, God. I want to be like Christ. I want to be like you, Jesus. We have all those songs, beautiful songs. I'm glad we do. But that's one of his purpose for our lives is to be like him. And it says that uh, he has predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his son. That's a predestination. And that means, when did it, when did it take place? It says in Romans 8, before, it, before he, in whom he called, before, and there's that word before, before the foundations of the world, then he called, then he called to be called to uh, be conformed to the images of the Son. Then he, then he goes on, and then he, then he called, then he justified, and then he justified, then he glorified. When? Before the foundation of the world. And so you've been called to be like him before the foundations of the world. And it says the word of God is alive. And we're going to get to some really serious meaning in that in a minute. And powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. And of the joints and marrow. 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 You know, I keep going back and forth in that name because just when I think I get it right, I get it wrong again. I get it wrong half the time. Sometimes I say both and I'm still wrong. <laughs> Piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit of the joints, and you know, you know, and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not made manifest in his sight. Did you see what just happened there? What happened? The word, of, the word of God is alive and powerful. Neither is there not any creature that is manifest in his sight. The word just became a hymn. Kind of like in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and all things were made by him and in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness. Jesus is the Word. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. You know, when you behold his glory, you're changed from glory to glory, according to 2 Corinthians 3. We beholding his face in a, as in a mirror are changed from glory to glory. It says, Neither is there not manifest any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open. Gee, that sounds like what he was just talking about. The word of God is sharp, even dividing us difference between the soul and spirit. All things are naked and open unto his eyes. 
of him, there it is again, with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, we have a high priest, a a great high priest. What? Him just became a priest. Do you see that? Seeing that we have this great high priest, is better translate, seeing that we have this great high priest, the word of God that's alive, that is passed into the heavens. Did you catch that? When did he get passed into the heavens? When he was raised from the dead? And where was he set? Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. What are we holding fast to our confession? That Jesus is the Son of God. All right? That we're holding fast to our confession of the Word. And then it says this. Next verse. For we, you know, I have come to learn to love this verse the way that it's said. Because in the, when I was first reading this and studying this, I didn't like it. I'm like, I don't like double negatives. I do not like no double negatives. For we, we do not have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And I finally got it. I mean, I know the double negative is a positive, And what that actually means is we have a high priest that is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. I get that. But why put it in a double negative way? And that's because there was this dig on the high priest that Israel had for hundreds and hundreds or thousands of years. You get it? They had, a, they had a high priest that wasn't touched with the feelings of their infirmities. See, that's what he's, he's getting two, two things in at the same time. He's, this is the first high priest there is that is touched with the feelings of men, men's infirmities. And so he says this, and I want to say it now the positive way. We have a high priest that is touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. And then it says this, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, I want to go back to the verse before this. Look Look at this, all right? We have a high priest because we have a high priest that's touched with the feelings of our infirmities that we can come in boldly into the throne room of grace that we may obtain what? Grace, excuse me, throne room of grace that we may obtain mercy, grace, help in time of need. Four, that's kind of redundant, isn't it? Four things that we need, all right? That we may obtain mercy, grace, help in time of need. Four things to express our needs. So, if you need mercy and grace and help in a time of your need, 
That means that you being perfect had nothing to do with going into the throne room. You, you, you follow this line of thinking? If, if, you, if you have all those needs in your life, then, there's, then you're not going in there. We're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And yet we can come in boldly. How is it that we can come in boldly? Another verse of scripture in Hebrews ten nineteen says, having therefore boldness that we can come in by the blood of Jesus Christ. No matter how good you think you are on the earth, well, if that's what you're thinking, you're in trouble. Because see, it isn't the righteousness in your life that is filthy rags. It's the righteousness you think you have because of things you've done that are filthy rags. Even Job got in trouble when he started talking about his personal righteousness and got rebuked. See, it says in, 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 uh, in Isaiah 64, our righteousness is as filthy rags to God. But when you have the righteousness of Christ, that's what it says in, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse uh, 21. Have, uh, it says, God made his son sin with our sin that we might be made the righteousness of God. When you, your righteousness is in Christ, then that's a different matter. But in your personal life, you may have a lot of troubles in your life, but you can still come in boldly because you're coming in by the blood of Jesus. But that's not what I wanted to talk to you about. What I wanted to talk to you about is to go back to this verse before. Okay, 15. Slap our back. That is there. Okay. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. And remember how that started off? The Word of God. You follow me? Now, what are we supposed to be if we're called to the priesthood? What is our function as priest? Well, I'll tell you, for one thing, all, if you're going to stand in the gap for this nation, for the body of Christ, for the world, Jesus is called the King of Kings. You know, I think most people look at it, maybe I'm wrong, maybe this is the way you always looked at it, that you are, uh, when he says King of Kings, he's talking about of all the kings that have ever been on earth, and no matter what you call them, whether you call them presidents or kings or whatever, that he is the king of kings. Now, I used to think that, but I've changed my mind. They're not the kings that he's the king of. We're the kings. We're the kings. We're the priests. Why do I say that? It says we're a royal priesthood. That means a kingly priesthood. We're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that we should show forth the praises of Him. So we are priest unto God. If we're going to be a priest unto God, if we want to be like Christ, if we want to believe that we're conformed to the image of Christ, if we want to be like God, then we will... When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man knows the Father but by me. There was a double meaning in that. And if you get either one of them wrong, if you don't have both of them, 
you're going to miss out on the purposes of God in your life. The first meaning is no one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. You cannot go into the presence of God. You cannot be saved except Jesus is the way, the truth. Through Him, faith in Jesus Christ plus nothing. The other thing is that He is the way. Just like, why, why do we want to be like Christ? Because He's the way. Why do we want to be like God? Because He's the way. He says, my ways are not your ways, God says in Isaiah 55, verse 8. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. Do you know what God just said there? You ain't nothing like me. That's what He says. You know what? The greatest insult God has ever laid on mankind. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. The most negative thing he's ever said about us. That's right. He says, but, but, as the snow, as the rain and snow comes down from heaven, waters the earth, gives life to the seed, makes it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be, which goes out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish what I please. And do you know what he pleases? Is that we be like him. Our thoughts would be his thoughts. Our ways would be his ways. His way, or should I say it the right way? His ways would be ours. His thoughts shall be ours. So if Jesus is passed into the, notice that. We have a, before that it says Jesus who was passed into the heavens. What happened when Jesus was passed into the heavens? I just read it a while ago. We were raised with him. So we are seated with him. And so this is another way we can come in boldly because we're coming in. We've already come in by the blood into heaven because we've been raised from the dead. Now that we are in the heavens... How many of you want, if you've even thought about it, what do I want to be? You're a king. You're a priest unto God. You know, the devil isn't scared of what Trump's going to do. He's scared about what we're going to do. He isn't scared of Donald Trump or anybody, Netanyahu or anybody else. He's scared of us. Because we're the kings. And we're the priest unto God. What do we have to do? Well, we have a high priest that is touched with the feelings of the infirmities of mankind. Because of him, we can follow him. He's the way. We can follow him into it. And we can be touched with the feelings. See, God wants us... See, he is a high priest that's constantly interceding on our behalf. The Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. The Holy Spirit is in us. So we can intercede. But where do you do that interceding? In heaven. Before the throne room. It has to be done. Your prayers have to be, you're you're praying to God, straight to God, in heaven. 
Because you're seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's when you can do things and you can move this earth. See? You can change this earth. But you've got to start seeing yourself the way God sees you. He made Jesus sin with your sin that you might be, you and I might be made the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. Not because I live like it. But because he made me this way. I've been made the righteousness of God. Because of that, I can come in boldly. Boldly does not mean without humility. You, you have to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. You can't come in arrogantly, boldly. You come in humbly. You come in on your knees. On bended knee, I, I, I bow. With a humble heart, I cry. I sing. Bowing down before the holy throne. He is God. I must never forget that God is God, not me. Hello? But you come in humbly before his throne room. The Bible talks about coming in with praise and thanksgiving on your heart. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. Psalm 66, 18 says, Violence shall be no more be heard in thy land, wasting nor destruction within thy borders. Thou shalt call thy wall salvation and thy gates praise. So you come in thanks with thankful heart. You come into his presence by the blood of Jesus. You're thanking and praising him and worshiping him. You're praising his name. You're, you're praising his word. And you can come in. And then you're the most dangerous person on earth to the devil. Because you're in the presence, the holy presence of God, ready to do war. Ready to intercede for this world. And then you know what happens? They said, just like Christ came down from earth, you're going to get sent back and bring the message. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We magnify your word. Magnify your word. You magnified your word above all your name. Lord, may we have a... (laughs) I am reminded of the first church in the seven churches that are referenced in uh, chapter 2 and chapter 3 of Revelation. In the first church with the church at Ephesus... And he had a lot of, you had a lot of things to commend that church for. But then there was one thing, he says, you've left your first love. He says, I have one thing against you. You've left your first love. Heavenly Father, my first love was your word. My first love was your word. Lord, I don't know what other people's first love is, but I, bring, I, I ask you to bring us back to your first love. I want to thank you for all the things you've done. I want to thank you for raising us from the dead and giving us life. Oh, Lord, we are your workmanship created in Christ unto good works that you have before ordained that we should walk in them. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, 
And may we fulfill the purpose that you have for our lives. Heavenly Father, D.L. Moody once said, the world has not yet seen what you will do through the man that is totally devoted to you. Lord, hallelujah. Just think about a church that is devoted to you totally. What the world has never seen such a thing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, use us, Lord, according to your word. Use us according to your holy purpose. Make us see and understand that the small time we have on earth should be a reflection of eternity. A reflection of eternity past as well as eternity future. In Jesus' holy, precious, wonderful name, amen and amen.